1: Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on ninety three point nine KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show.
2: And hello, and welcome to the Georgine Rice Show. If that's what you're tuned in to listen to, you are at the right place. This is the Monday edition, and want to say a very, very glad welcome to you. Although you can tell right away that I'm not Georgine Rice. Uh, Georgine is right now traveling and is uh, out of town, and will be back in about two weeks. But there's a whole lineup of guests hosts for the show, and I happen to be one of them, and I'm very privileged to be so. My name is Greg Allen. I'm pastor of Bethany Bible Church out in the West Union area of West Portland. A wonderful little church family. You know, I can't help but uh, brag about my church a little bit. It's a wonderful little country church. I've been there for 26 years just a nice uh, beautiful spot out in the country it's a it 's very much a country church, no way around it it 's got a steeple it 's even got a cemetery next door and uh we uh oh we're we're pretty much an old fashioned style church. We love to sing the old hymns and love to preach the word, and we always have a nice little refreshment time afterwards so this sounds like i 'm giving you a plug today, and if it sounds like that, I certainly am. I never want to take anybody away from a good church but if you don't have a church home, we'd sure love to have you come and visit us at Bethany Bible Church. I also serve as faculty adjunct at Multnomah Biblical Seminary, and it's my privilege to work with the mentored ministry uh, department where I help train uh, and and coach students along in their various uh, ministries and uh, help them to get established in what they're doing. One of the great privileges that I have also in that is to meet with different groups of those seminary students and uh, just kind of have a cohort uh, experience in the spiritual life with them. We uh, just kind of hold one another accountable for our time in the Word. We pray together. We troubleshoot together. And I also get to serve in the preaching department and assist in the preaching classes. So I really Really have some great experiences there, and it's a very great privilege to be here on the Georgine Rice Show. I have to tell you, every time I've come, this is my second time of getting to be a guest host, and every time I come here, whether it's for something like this or just to be a guest, or I've I've even been known just to come and visit, and I get treated like family. It's just a wonderful place to be, and uh, just very glad to be here today. Well, they've turned the microphone over to a pastor, so you never know what you're going to get right for two hours. What I want to talk with you about, I certainly don't want to try to do what Georgine does so expertly and talking about uh, current cultural and issues that are going on in the news. Uh, she, she does that better than anybody, and I sure don't want to try to step into an area where I'm not familiar. But one of the things I wanted to do was kind of step back from some of those things for a moment, and talk a little bit of what might lie behind them. Um, uh, You watch on the news, you're seeing a lot of things going on. You know, Portland has a a tremendously negative uh, uh, reputation right now with the protests that have been going on. Uh, We we have, of course, in the news, the terrible news of the shooting in Pittsburgh uh, over this weekend. Uh, There's a lot of... uh, what I would call discontent. I think you would agree with me that uh, that there's a characteristic discontent in our culture right now. We live in a very discontented world. And the evidence of that discontentment is everywhere we look. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we have a precious resource of contentment that, that is greater than the circumstances that surround us. And I would like to talk for the next little while with you about cultivating that experience of Christian contentment. Uh, One of the privileges that we have as believers is is that contentment through Jesus Christ. He said things like, uh, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. That's from John fourteen twenty seven. You know, Jesus was always honest about the problems and difficulties that we face. He's realistic about the, the, the hard realities of life. In fact, he came in his incarnation in this world and walked among us and experienced those hard times. But he told us uh, in another passage, in John 16, verse 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you. He told them about his disciples about some of the things that were going to be coming and some of the difficulties. He said, I've told you these things that in me, you may have peace. In the world, he said, you will have tribulation. Now think about that for a moment. The Lord Jesus Christ lets us know in the world, there's no false advertising here. In this world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He promises an experience of contentment that is greater than the circumstances of this world. I'll even go out on a limb and say something to you. that I I base this on, on my theology of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, when we put our trust in Jesus, it's not simply that we join a club. We are joined by God to Jesus Christ himself. We're brought into a state of union with him. And I would say that because of that fundamental theological union, we have the basis of contentment all the time. Obviously, there's a lot of things that we need to do to grow in that contentment. But nevertheless, that's the nature, that's the natural state of a believer. Is this possible? Can we really have that uh, contentment? I'd like to read a quote to you from the Apostle Paul. He had that contentment, and here's what he said. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, he said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. They wrote a letter to him. They wrote some, sent some support to him. Though he said, I surely did care, but lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned, both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. True, overwhelming, victorious contentment comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me give you a a summary statement of what we're going to talk about today. It's got eight C's in it. I'm a preacher, okay? So that's the way we all talk. Listen to this. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant conscious communion with Christ. Let me read it again. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant conscious communion with Christ. There's eight C's for you. And we're going to, in the next uh, segment, we're going to try to unpack that and try to understand this marvelous gift of contentment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm your guest host, Greg Allen, and we'll be back soon.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hello, and welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. Uh, I am Greg Allen, your guest host. If you're just tuning in with us, we've been talking about the subject of contentment. And I forgot to mention at the first segment, a word of thanks to James Blend, who is the producer and engineer, and also happens to be, of, as recently, uh, a nearby neighbor to me. So, hi, James. Good to see you every once in a while in the grocery store. So, anyway, we're talking about contentment, and want to be able to explain a little bit of my statement earlier. In the first segment, we introduced this theme with eight C's. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. So we're wanting to grab a hold of this idea of contentment in a discontented world. And before we do that, we really need to take some time to define that idea of what contentment is. I'd like to take a little time to tell you what I don't think it is so that we don't look for the wrong thing. The contentment we're talking about is not a matter of having the perfect circumstances, and let's be glad for that, right, because we never could have the best circumstances. If, if contentment is dependent upon the circumstances, then we have a great problem, don't we? Because every time the circumstances change, then our basis of contentment changes. I don't believe uh, it's a matter of indifference either. You know, I have a a good friend that I was talking with the other day. He told me that when he was growing up, contentment was a dirty word. He said, my dad wouldn't ever let us use the word contentment. He said, uh, contentment means you give up trying. And we're not talking about that. We're not talking about a matter of indifference. Uh, Contentment, by the way, I've got to tell you something else. This has always been a mistake I've had about contentment growing up. You know what I always thought of when I thought of contentment? I always thought of a cow. You know, cows are contentment. You know, I don't want to be a cow. It's not a matter of, you know, why cows are content. I have some friends who are dairy farmers. They tell me that cows are content because they don't know what's going to happen to them when they retire. You know, well, that's not not contentment. That's not ignorance. That's not what we're talking about. Rather, the word that Paul uses in talking about his experience of contentment is really a sufficiency in oneself completely apart from the circumstances you you'll remember when jesus or in the gospels when when we're told the story about how john the baptist was preaching to the uh, the people who came by and some of them were asking what do we do do we do this do we do that one of the things he told the roman soldiers is be content with your wages and there's the word contentment there And in that case, it just means have enough or to be sufficient. But in Philippians chapter four, eleven, when Paul said that he learned the secret to contentment, he used a different word. It's a word that means enough in oneself or sufficient in oneself. So it's not dependent on the circumstances. This uh, sufficiency within ourselves doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from a product of a relationship. Now, here's, let me, let me uh, take my statement apart that I gave to you earlier. I said contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant conscious communion with Christ. Now, let's take that apart for a moment. First of all, contentment has to do with all conditions of life. That's the kind of contentment we're talking about. The circumstances of life cannot change it or diminish it enables us to endure and have joy no matter what else may be happening. You know, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, that he had this experience of contentment in all circumstances, good or bad, whether he had much, whether he had little. And if our contentment depends on those conditions of life, then when the conditions change, the contentment changes. And we're talking about a contentment that cannot be changed by the conditions of life. It's the same no matter what the conditions may be. Second, it's a contentment that comes from cultivating. I use that word cultivate. It's like anything else that we cultivate. We need to work at it. We need to grow at it. Uh, we need to develop it in our lives. Like I said before uh, to in another situation, if you read the Psalms, you find that uh, contentment was hard to come by. <laughs> you, know, you read some of the Psalms and they're very, very... Expressive of discontent and trouble. So, this idea of cultivating contentment is not an automatic thing. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the Apostle Paul said he learned. Now, think of that. He learned in whatever state he was in to be content. It takes time, it takes practice, it takes growth in our understanding. Uh, Finally, it's a contentment that's a product of and this is most important, a constant, conscious communion with Christ. It is absolutely, and above everything else, a product of maintaining and growing in a personal, living relationship with a wonderful person. Contentment comes through a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ, Paul said it so wonderfully well. There's that verse that so many of us memorized early on, or or we often quote, where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're familiar with that verse, but you realize he is speaking of that in the context of the discovery that he made of the secret to contentment in life. Paul suffered a great deal in things. He was often... uh, suffered greatly for... He was in and out of jail. A lot of things were happening to him because of his faith in Jesus Christ. But he learned... In fact, when he wrote those words, he was in prison. Uh, The Philippians had sent a, a, a gift to him to help him during his hard times while he was in prison. But he said, I've learned the secret. I've learned it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus himself said it. He said in John 15, verse 5, he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You can't be content without the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have kind of a superficial kind of contentment, but not the contentment that God designed for us to have. It comes only through a relationship with Jesus. So, those three things. It's a, it's a contentment that endures in all conditions of life. It's a contentment that comes from cultivating or developing, growing it, learning it. And it's a contentment that's a product, most of all, of a constant, conscious communion with Jesus Christ. You know, early in my Christian life, somebody made a little poster for me when I was in my high school youth group. I was a relatively brand new Christian. And they made a little quote for me, and it's from Psalm 73. And uh, by the way, if you ever want to talk about contentment, try reading Psalm 73 sometime. David wrote that psalm in a moment when he was very, very discontent, very, very troubled of heart. But at the very end of it, he makes this wonderful statement, and this is what was put on that little poster for me. It it says, this is, uh, by the way, Psalm 73, verses 25 through 26. He says, whom have I in heaven... But you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh, my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 73, 25, 26. Isn't that a great picture of contentment? Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing apart, nothing on earth I desire beside you. So there you have it. Contentment in all conditions comes from cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. But what does this look like in practice? I need to tell you, I'm not an expert on this. I'm growing in it all myself. I'm in the school. I invite you to join with me and be in being the school. But for the next several segments, I'd like for us to take some time to learn how certain passages teach us about what's involved in being content in specific situations of life. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, and we'll start that journey when we come back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hello, and welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. I am your guest host, Greg Allen, pastor of Bethany Bible Church, and welcome back. We've been talking about contentment, and uh, we've been introducing this idea of contentment as a thing that comes only through a relationship with Jesus Christ. uh, The the comment that I've been offering to you is, contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. And we've been unwrapping that. And as we've talked about it a little bit, we've looked at the example of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, where he talked about how he had learned how to be content in all circumstances. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, now we want to talk about some of the different ways we can apply this principle, where we look to Jesus Christ in specific situations of life in order to have that contentment. And let me begin by painting a picture for you that perhaps you're familiar with, if you're a reader of the Bible at all. I can say it in just a few words. Disciples. Boat. Lake, storm. Boy, you get a picture right there. I can't think of a better picture of out of control. Can you? Disciples in a boat in the middle of a lake during a storm. The wind is blowing. There's no control. You are absolutely helpless. You are absolutely under the circumstances. How do we find contentment in Christ when we're in the middle of the storm? Hmm? How do we find contentment in Christ in times of crisis when things are going out of control? Well, there's a couple of stories in the Bible that we're we're told just that very situation, and I believe that's intended to help us understand what Jesus Christ means to us in those times where it feels like life is going out of control. Uh, You'll find the first story in Luke chapter 8, and let me just read it to you. It's familiar to you, I'm sure. We're told in the Bible, now it happened on a certain day that he, Jesus, got into a boat with his disciples. You ever thought of that? He knew what the story. He knew there was going to be a storm, and yet they all got in anyway. He knows. So they got into the boat. He said to them, let us cross over to the other side of the lake. This is the Sea of Galilee. Been there. We've been on a boat out there. Those of us who knew a little bit of the Bible, where we're out on the Sea of Galilee, we have just the tiniest little bit of nervousness because we know the storm stories. And they launched out. It says in Luke chapter 8, but they, he fell asleep. As they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. Sounds like panic. Then he arose, and he rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. But then he said to them, Where is your faith? And they were afraid and marveled, saying to one another, Who can this be? For he commands even the wind and the water, and they obey him. Now here's the Lord Jesus in a boat in the midst of the storm. You know one of the things that always strikes me about that story. Jesus is in the boat, right? This boat's not going to sink. I mean they could, <laughs> they could have enjoyed the ride of their lives, you know? But they come to him and and you know, if I were to see Jesus getting up and being worried, then we would have a reason to be worried, but he's asleep. He's at peace. And he rebukes the storm. He controls the storm. And this story is one that teaches us a great deal about those times when the circumstances of life seem to be out of control. It shows us that Jesus is in command of those circumstances. When we're relying on him, when we're cultivating that constant conscious communion with him, we're in communion with the one who controls the storms of life. Now there's another story. This one is from Mark chapter 6. You know, this is right after he fed the multitudes and he had the disciples get into the boat. He, it says in Mark chapter 6, immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountains to pray. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. There we are with another picture of the sea and the storm and the boat and the wind. And he was alone on the land. He wasn't in the boat at this time. Then he saw them straining at the rowing, for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, about three in the morning, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. I always think that's interesting, don't you? He would have walked right past them. Hi, fellows, I'll see you on the other side. Now, when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. By the way, just stop here for a moment. In the midst of the storms of life, when it seems that things are out of control, there are times when Jesus comes by and says, hello, I'm here. What do we do? Jesus, it says, immediately talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is i do not be afraid and then he went into the boat to them and the wind ceased and there were they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled for they had not understand understood about the loaves and their heart was hard they didn't they weren't learning from their experiences with jesus but what's interesting about this is as soon as jesus walked into the boat The storm was over. As soon as they invited him in, the problem was solved. And I'd like to suggest to you that this is one of the secrets of how Jesus Christ helps us in those times of crisis. When we invite him into the situation with us, when we invite him into those moments of crisis when things are going haywire, suddenly we're inviting the one in who controls the storm. And we can have contentment in him. I need to tell you a story of how I personally really learned from this experience. Just several years ago, I was um, given an opportunity to stay at a beach house on Pacific, out in Pacific City. Wonderful place, right there, right next to the beach, just as relaxing as could be. It, was, it happened to be in the winter. And I, I love the ocean in the winter. I love the wind and the rain and the ocean and blah, blah, blah. And so I made my way home, and I was on my way. And I, at that time, had a pretty, you know, I had a pastor's car. (laughs) It was pretty pretty uh, held together by prayer. And I was, uh, just drove, uh, oh, maybe uh, six or seven miles away from the beach on my way back home. And I heard a noise from the car. I heard a ka Huh, that's interesting. And then I look in the rearview mirror and I see a car part rolling into the ditch behind me. And mechanical genius I am. I thought, I wonder if that was mine. I wonder if that was important. And I, I pulled over and I found the car part sitting there and I felt it. And yeah, it's warm. It's probably mine. And then I turned around and looked at the car and every belt in the car was dragging on the ground. And I went, oh no, that probably looks important. I don't know what I'm doing with cars, you know. So <clears throat> what do I do now? I'm stuck in the middle of nowhere. You know what I did? I'm starting to learn. (laughs) I said, Lord, I'm ready to panic right now. But no, let's not. Here's my situation right now. Here's, Here's my situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get home. I don't know what's wrong with the car. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this situation. This is going to be fun to see how you solve this one. And I invited him into it. And here's what happened. I started to think, I think that was a town that I just drove by about a mile back. And so I managed to turn the car around. It was pretty hard to do because the power steering was out. And I got back to, sure enough, it was a town. It was on Sunday night, by the way. And as I pulled up, there's right there is a mechanic, an auto mechanic. And he ran out the door with a phone and he said, I see him. And then he said, are you the guy with the broken down car? And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, one of our customers drove by you. They got me inside on Sunday night and fixed the car and sent me home. I got to stay an extra day at the beach, by the way. <laughs> they drove me to the beach house, drove me back home. And you want to know what? It cost $250 to fix. And when I got home, guess what? There was a check in the mail from someone. Someone said, you know, I felt like the Lord put this on my heart that you might need this. $250. Hey, now, that doesn't happen every time, but I learned a lesson from that. Trust Jesus in the circumstances. When things go haywire, invite him in. That's how we have contentment. Now, when we come back, let's talk about another situation. How do we apply the contentment of Christ to situations when the future is uncertain? You might have a situation like that right now. When we come back in the next segment, Let's talk about that. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. I'm Pastor Greg Allen.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show and I'm your guest host Pastor Greg Allen of Bethany Bible Church. Welcome back. We've been talking for the past little while about contentment. And we keep running to that theme, you know, as a good pastor, I'm hoping you'll memorize this. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. You know, one of the great blessings of knowing and walking with Jesus Christ is that the precious treasure of contentment belongs to the believer in all circumstances of life. And we've been talking about how to cultivate that contentment In different circumstances of life, just a little while ago, we talked about how Jesus Christ helps us with contentment in times of crisis. And we established that uh, in times of crisis, contentment comes from inviting Jesus Christ into that time of crisis, letting him be Lord over it, letting him do what he wants to do in it. Well, let's talk about another area of life where contentment is needed. And that has to do with those times when we have those sleepless nights, worrying about the future, worrying about what's going to happen. Not a single one of us, in spite of, you know, I love sci-fi, don't you? But in spite of it all, none of us can travel into the future and see what's going to happen. But we do worry about it, don't we? We can't know what tomorrow might hold. And how does the contentment of Christ become realized in those times when the future is uncertain. We might be getting some bad news from the doctor. We might be worried about our job. We might be worried about financial situations or where we live. Uh, There's one thing that we cannot know about the future, and that's what's going to happen. And we can know this much. We can't accomplish anything by worry. You know what the Lord Jesus Christ told us in the Sermon on the Mount? And I love that he tells us this. This is such a wonderful thing. He says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Wouldn't that be an interesting picture to see the the birds out there with rakes, you know? But your heavenly Father knows. Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And I, I love it that the Lord Jesus says this, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? You know, a cubit is a, a unit of measurement, about 18 inches, you know. It's a, it's a way of saying, uh, which of you, by worrying as hard as you ever can, could add one foot to your standing in this world? Now think about what would happen if you saw me and I'm standing there and I'm looking really good and you say, hey, Greg, you look really good. And I say, well, thank you. I feel really good. Well, what do you do? What do you do to look so good? You want to know what I do? I'll tell you what I do. 15 minutes a day? I worry. I just sit and worry for 15 minutes. That's how come I'm so buff. Well, that's ridiculous. It's never going to happen. Worry doesn't accomplish anything. If anything, worry takes from you. Well, Jesus said, I say to you, do not worry about your life. You can't add one bit to your life by worrying. He went on to say this. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now, the things that people scramble around in this world to try to get a hold of, the things that they try to obtain. Jesus teaches us the Father knows about those things. It's not our place to worry about them. It's just simply our place to trust him in them. Now, what I love about this passage, and and you're familiar with it. I mean, you've read the Sermon on the Mount. You're, You're familiar with these wonderful words of our Lord. Well, Think of what he's telling us in this. This is the Son of God. I take it that the Son of God knows what he's talking about. And he tells us in this passage that we now can cease all worry. Isn't that great? We now no longer have to uh, worry about anything. We're given the ultimate permission to cease worrying. Uh, we're, we're, we're given permission to do this, by the way, in a world that is filled with discontent. The Son of God gives us permission to stop all worry, be done with it forever. And he also goes on to say this in that same passage, and listen to these words very carefully. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? or after all these things the Gentiles seek. That means after all these things, the unbelieving people who have no relationship with God, they seek those things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Every day has enough to do. Every day has enough worry of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't borrow from tomorrow. And what's wonderful about this is that when we've been talking about how contentment in all circumstances, all conditions, comes from cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ, well, here's the Jesus connection. Instead of worrying... We're to seek his kingdom. In each circumstance of life, we stop and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm worried about the future. I repent of that worry. You've given me permission to stop worrying. And now I replace it with something else. I ask, what is it that you're wanting to do in this situation? How can your kingdom be advanced in this situation? Because remember, I'm going to say it again, I hope that you... you, you, Get this in your heart, contentment in all conditions, including the ones that haven't even happened yet, that we worry about. Contentment in all conditions comes from cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. Paul, the apostle, said something very similar to this. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7, he said, be anxious for nothing. But, in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, that's an amazing couple of verses. I had a, I I have a good friendship with a, uh, the husband of someone you know named Georgine Rice. Her husband Dan. Dan and I have uh, had an opportunity to visit someone once together, and uh, Dan is a is a wonderful, compassionate uh, pastor type. And he was sharing with this person, and I was listening to him. I've told Dan this many times. I, I've told him I've stolen this from him, you know. And I think he's okay with my stealing from him. But he said he, he quoted that passage to this person who was worrying. Let me read it again. Be anxious for nothing. This is. Verse 6, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know what you do instead of worry? You pray. And then, he said, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You pray in the first verse, you get peace. Peace. In the second verse, Dan very wisely said, do verse six, you get verse seven. And that's how we have contentment in those circumstances of life when we don't know the future. We pray and we trust the living Savior. That's how contentment comes. And by the way, did you notice that Paul said that before, just in the passage, just before he told us how he had learned the secret of contentment? What a great lesson. We'll be back in a little bit. Top of the hour. We're going to hear news and traffic. And when we come back, we'll talk about contentment in Christ while in a material world. We'll be back. You're listening to the
1: Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: No, it's not Georgine Rice. This is Greg Allen. I'm pastor of Bethany Bible Church. Georgine is out of the country until. Uh, middle November or so, and I have the privilege of being guest host today. There's quite a lineup coming up over the weeks to come, and uh, we'll tell you a little bit more of what's coming up uh, this week near the end of our hour. Uh, this has been fun. I don't know how in the world Georgine does this every day. She's made a sterner stuff, but this sure goes by fast for me. I'm so amazed at how quickly it's the time is flying. So we're at the second hour. What we're talking about is contentment. We've been talking about how Christ, Jesus Christ, is the source of all true, unchanging, unalterable contentment. Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. And we've already talked about a few ways that this can be applied in the circumstances of life. We talked a little bit about how, in times of crisis, we invite Jesus Christ in those crises. And he helps us in them. Or in times of of uncertainty, when we don't know the future, we pray and seek his kingdom first. Well, let's talk about a third area of life, and that has to do with what it's like to live in a world that says happiness and contentment is found in things. And guess what? You can't have them. What do you do? How do you find contentment in Christ while living in a materialistic world. One of the biggest causes of discontentment in this world is the constant pressure for more things. I mean, if you think about it, the whole advertising world is all about fostering discontent. I used to work in the advertising industry, and uh, that's what it's about. It's about making you unhappy with what you have. To some degree, even the political arena is built on fostering that discontent, too. Uh, and we see it all the time in every area of life. Don't you hate it when you buy a new phone? You know where I'm going with this, right? You buy a new phone, you bring it home. If you're like me, I don't know why they call them smartphones. They make me dumb, and you're trying to figure out how to use it, and you finally figure out how to use it, and it's just wonderful. It's amazing. How did they make this? And then you see on the news that there's the next one and the better one, and now you're discontented with this stupid, dumb phone you have. You know, it happens all the time. Well, the whole culture around us is built on things, and the discontent that comes from having those things. This constant cultivation of discontentment in us is a dangerous thing to the soul. Now, Pastor James, who wrote the New Testament book of James, listen to what he said. This is from James chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. He said, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures? The desire for pleasure that wages war in your members. You you lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. And you do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures." adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures say in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. But just think of what James said. What, a, what an amazing analysis here. Why are there fights? Why are there wars? Why are there riots? Why are there so many troubles in the world? It's because people want things that belong to somebody else. They don't have them. They think they ought to have them. So they want them, and they take them. Materialism is a philosophy, uh, the idea that happiness comes from things. It's a philosophy that is utterly at war. With contentment, the kind of contentment that God wants us to have at christ in christ this the whole world of materialism around us seems to be bent on making us discontent, and what do we do about it how do we How do we have contentment in a discontented world like this Pastor James James chapter four, verses seven through ten, He goes on to tell us this, therefore. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Boy, that's just the opposite of what we're hearing everywhere, right? You know, the Apostle Paul said the same thing, essentially, but in a different way. He wrote to uh, Pastor Timothy and wanted to encourage him to teach the people to watch out for materialism. T- Timothy was a pastor as well, and Paul wanted to encourage him to teach them to watch out for materialism. He said in First Timothy chapter 6, he said, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, And it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which draw men to destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. You know what Paul says there? Having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. Now it takes great humility before God to learn that. But he says with those things, let's be content. And by the way, you know what word he uses? We talked about it in the second segment. He's using the word for contentment that we talked about before, sufficiency in oneself. Our happiness isn't dependent on material things. We must never let our happiness be wrapped up in things because things can be lost to us. There's a story I love. Many of you have a copy of Matthew Henry's commentary in your home. Matthew Henry, a great commentator, you know, once he was robbed. And here's what he wrote. The man who robbed him, in thinking about it all, he he said, number one, I'm thankful that he never robbed me before. (laughs) Never thought of thanking him for that. Number two, I'm thankful that although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Number three, although he took all I had, <laughs> it wasn't very much. And number four, I'm glad that it was I who was robbed and not I who did the robbing. Now that's contentment. And what's more, we need to be aware of how a growing attitude of seeking contentment and these things can draw us away from the one who is the source of all contentment. Jesus told a story, you remember about the seeds that were being scattered, uh, four types of soils. One of the soil was the kind that was overgrown with weeds and thorns. And Jesus said, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. Oh, it's not wrong to have things, of course. But it's very dangerous to seek our contentment in those things. Rather, we need to do what it says in Hebrews 13.5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content in such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews 13.5. Contentment. In a materialistic world. When we come back, we're going to talk about contentment when life's demands seem to be too much for us. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. I'm Pastor Greg Allen.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast, it is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hello, and welcome back to The Georgine Rice Show. This is your guest host, Greg Allen. And I'm very glad to be with you today. We're talking about contentment. And boy, are we digging into the issue here. Uh, I'm really grateful for that. (laughs) I hope you're getting something out of this because I'm sure sure benefited. So we've been talking about contentment. And we've been camping on this this idea that contentment in all conditions of life, a a contentment that is uh, universally uh, true no matter what the circumstances of life, Contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. Contentment comes from a relationship. And we've been talking about how this works out into the circumstances of life, times of crisis, for example. We've talked a little bit about how does contentment become ours in times of uncertainty in the future. In the last segment, we talked about the demands of life when uh, things are... uh, Uh, the demands of things when when things are materialism is 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 uh, making all kinds of demands of us i'd like to talk now about something that you might be feeling right now as we're we're talking at this moment when life seems to be demanding too much of you how do you have contentment in christ when it feels like it's all on you when all the demands of life are pressing in on you and you don't even have time for yourself anymore, the things that you want to pursue, your whole life feels like a big giant, I have to. How do you have contentment in that? You know, we live in a busy world. There's lots of demands on us. Sometimes it can really feel overwhelming. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Have you ever felt robbed of contentment because of things that you don't have anything any control over it, it's it's because of all the demands that are placed on your life. All the things that it just seems are taking from you and demanding from you and giving you nothing in return. How do you have contentment in those times? There's a story in the Gospel of Luke that I have really grown to love, and it teaches us how true, genuine contentment can be ours when it seems as if every demand of life robs us of it. It has to do with some dear friends that Jesus had in a little town called Bethany. I always like the little town of Bethany because I'm in Bethany Bible Church, but this is the original Bethany, over just uh, to, in the foothills of the Mount of Olives. Well, there's a many times when Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus, and he spent some great times with them. They were dear friends of his, and tells us in Luke chapter 10, now it happened that as they went, that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her home and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now just think of that. They have Jesus in their home and there he is teaching and everybody's just sitting at his feet and listening. There's... There's Mar- Mary, little sister Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening. But Martha, you know, Martha was the original Martha Stewart, right? And she was distracted with much serving, and she, she approached him. Now, I, I always think this took a lot of guts for Martha to do this. But she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Why? What a, what a thing to tell Jesus. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. By the way, you always know you're in trouble, don't you? (laughs) Jesus has to use your name twice. Martha, Martha, you are, listen to this, you are worried and bothered, worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Think of that. Martha, no doubt, was very busy, it probably wouldn't have been a good dinner if 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 anyone else was in charge but her but just think what what she was missing she was worried he said uh and that's an or an internal thing and troubled that's an external thing about many things she was missing out on the most important thing of all jesus was in her house she could have sat at his feet and gotten the best spiritual meal of her life, and everybody could have eaten Cheerios for dinner, and it would have been fine. Lesser things were robbing her of an eternal treasure. Mary, her sister, was the one that found that good part. Sometimes uh, our failure in this area comes from a, a failure in another area that we've already talked about a little bit, and that's that failure to remember that Jesus Christ is in perfect control of the circumstances of life. Any amount of busyness that gets our eyes off of Jesus' absolute control, any amount of it that causes us to think that it's up to us, is being allowed to rob us of contentment in Christ. You know, Jesus Jesus once said this, another favorite passage of mine, Matthew 11, 28 through 30, Come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now, have you ever thought, maybe you've read that and you thought, well, Uh, That sounds very nice, but I'll tell you what, right now my yoke doesn't feel so easy. My burden isn't light at all. And perhaps you're right. But if that's the case, then it's not Jesus' yoke. And it's not his burden. Because he said his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. You know, my wife is talked about this before, we've we've kind of shared about this passage, and she always says, and here's a question that's a follow-up, if it's not Jesus' yoke and it's not his burden, then whose is it? That's a good question, isn't it? So how do we find contentment in the busy times of life? I would suggest to you that it's not a matter of ignoring our responsibilities or duties, it's the things that we have to do. But it's really a matter, get this, it's a matter of switching to a different boss. <laughs> in Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Listen to this. He said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Now, by the way, if you're familiar at all with Paul's teaching, you know that that sounds very much like what he said about being filled with the Holy Spirit. You yield yourself to the prevailing and pervasive influence of the Holy Spirit. You do the same things, teaching, admonishing one another, psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then he said this, and whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. We have to do the first thing, of course. We need to let the word of Christ dwell in us. And if we 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 do so, we respond to things worshipfully. We're not all fretted anymore. But then as we do so, then whatever we do, we do as unto him. We switch bosses. We make him our boss. We make him our manager. We make him our life coach. We put him in charge. And then whatever we're called upon to do becomes a joy because it's for him. Paul said a similar thing in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, he was talking here about bond servant and master relationships. He said, Bondservants, servants, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart, as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. We switch bosses. We let Jesus be in charge. And that's how we cultivate a constant, conscious communion, with Christ in those times when the demands of life seem overwhelming, we invite him to be in charge. And we, let, and we do what we do as his servants and do those things with his love toward others. Uh, m- make every day, every busy day, an invite Jesus to work day. And that's the secret to contentment in those busy times of life. Well, we've been talking about the different ways that we can have contentment if the contentment of Christ in different circumstances of life. When we come back, I'd like to talk about one that I think is one that we would easily miss, but it's very important. How do we have contentment in times of persecution when the world is against our faith in Jesus? You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We'll be back.
1: You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hi, welcome back to the Georgine Rice Show. This is Pastor Greg Allen of Bethany Bible Church, and it's my privilege to be the guest host for today. And we've been talking about contentment over the past little while. And uh, the great theme that we've been running on is that contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant Conscious Communion with Christ. And we've been talking about the different ways that that uh, contentment can be experienced in specific circumstances of life. And I don't believe that our time of talking about contentment in a discontented world would be complete if we didn't talk about one more area. It's an area of life that sadly is growing to be more and more evident in us. And that's the whole matter of how to have contentment in a hostile world. How do we experience contentment when we suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ? How do we have contentment when the world is against our faith and our Savior? Now, I think it would be an important thing to ask first. Uh, whenever we suffer for the what we think is the cause of Christ, We really need to ask, in all honesty, are we really suffering for Christ? You know, sometimes in our pride, we like to think that we're suffering for Jesus, when in reality, we're suffering because we've been foolish. That's a tough thing to say. The Apostle Paul wrote about (laughs) the Apostle... Boy, it's hard to say that, isn't it? I'm a pastor, too. The Apostle Peter wrote, He wrote about this once to a group of uh, Christians who were being persecuted for their faith. And uh, this is in 1 Peter chapter 4. He wrote these words, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you also may be glad with exceeding joy. That's the call to, no, don't think it's strange when you suffer persecution. But then he says this, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit and glory of God rests upon you. On their party is blasphemed, on your party is glorified. But let no one suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evil doer. Or a busybody in other people's matters. And that's what I'm saying. We need to examine if, when we're suffering for what we think is the cause of Christ, let's make sure that we really are and that we're not actually suffering because we've been rude, we've been insensitive, we've been selfish. Yet, Peter says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Now, Peter warned not to suffer for the wrong things. And that's a fair statement, don't you think? And if in a case like that, the pathway to contentment is to repent of our wrongdoing. But in this passage, Peter speaks of the serious reality of the fact that we are sometimes called upon to suffer for the cross of Christ in a hostile world. We're not to think that this is a strange thing. That's, something that the Lord Jesus himself even told us about. He said this would happen. In John chapter 15, you know that wonderful passage where Jesus taught, I am the vine and you are the, you are the branches. He said, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now... They have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened, that the word may be fulfilled, which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. Jesus gives us fair warning, does he not? In this world, if they hated him and we belong to him, they're going to hate us too. This is something that the Apostle Paul even told us. In Second Timothy chapter 3.12, he said it this way, yes. And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. The closer drawn we are to Jesus, the more we cultivate a constant conscious communion with Christ in this world, the more we're going to suffer for it. The more we'll suffer the hostility of this world. What do we do about it? Well, here's the amazing paradox. It's by that closer draw to Jesus that we actually find contentment in that persecution. In other words, we don't draw away from him. We draw closer to him. Peter, the Apostle Peter, who knew a thing or two about persecution, said, if you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Doesn't that sound very much like something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount? Maybe you'll remember it. The Beatitudes, right? He said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, you know what that means? Happy. Happy. Doesn't that touch on our whole theme, contentment? Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Whenever anybody speaks ill of you as a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to clap your hands and say, Thank you! You've just given me treasure in heaven. That'll that a weird amount. Well, in a world in which we face hostility for following Jesus, and that's going to happen. Just know it. Just know it. In such a world, it's important to remember that when we do so faithfully, our reward is great in heaven. I think it comes from remembering the honor being uh, associated with being identified with Jesus in his suffering. We're to behave like Jesus in this world. Uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, Peter, uh, in in his first letter, chapter 2, he said this. Listen to this. What credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? Well, yeah. You know, that's, you should. <laughs> but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this Is commendable before God. For to this you were called. Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he committed himself to him who judges righteously who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. You know what happened once to the apostles? When they were persecuted, we're told that they left from that council who brought judgment on them, rejoicing, it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So as paradoxical as it might seem, the secret to contentment in a world that is hostile to our Lord comes from doing the very thing (laughs) that causes that hostility in the first place, cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. Contentment comes. Contentment in all conditions of life comes from cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. Well, we're coming to the last segment here in a few moments. And as we do, we're going to wrap things up. We're going to come to some closing thoughts. And as we do so, I'd like to give a very important invitation to you who are listening. But we're talking about contentment in Christ. That's the precious treasure Of those who are followers of Jesus, we're looking forward to seeing how to apply that in life. As I've been telling you throughout this, I haven't mastered this yet. I'm daring to stand here and talk about something I don't know about. I'm learning. But we're in the school together, so let's learn it together. As we're coming to the close, we'll wrap things up. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. This is Pastor Greg Allen.
1: You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. Is aired on 93.9 KPDQ.
2: Hello and welcome back. This is Greg Allen. I am guest host of the Georgine Rice Show today, and we're at our closing segment. And as we come to a closing segment, I want to say thank you to you for listening. This has been a blast to be here today. Uh, I'd just like to wrap up a few things here. We've been talking about how to have contentment in a discontented world. I hope that you have appreciated that summary statement, and they've been kind of processing that, and perhaps you'll kind of make it your own, that contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, conscious communion with Christ. And we've covered a lot of terrain in these past uh, couple of hours. We've talked about how that principle, that, that contentment comes through a relationship with a person, Jesus Christ. We've talked about how that applies in times of crisis. And we invite Jesus into those crises moments. Uh, We talked about how Jesus' contentment helps us in times of uncertainty, that we pray and seek his kingdom first in those times of uncertainty, and we find that he'll fulfill his desire. We talked about the contentment that comes in a world that is built on the demands of things. We found that he will never leave us or forsake us. He's our one surest reliable source of contentment in all those things, not the things themselves. And we talked about times of, uh, of uh, busyness and times when we're just feeling all stretched beyond compare. We make Jesus our boss and let him manage our time. And then just in the last segment, we talked about times of persecution. How do we have contentment in a world that is against us and against our faith? We draw the closer to Jesus Christ. And these are things that we've been talking about, about how to apply that. But let me close with a couple of thoughts. I wanted to emphasize the importance of this. This isn't something that I hope to pass on to you simply in a way that I hope or imagine will make your life better. But it's really more a matter of how this is essential to our relationship with Jesus Christ in this world. This is essential to our witness to the world. Uh, This idea of being content in this world, having and displaying the contentment of Jesus Christ, if I may put it to you this way, is something that adorns the gospel that we preach. We tell people about Jesus Christ and the difference he's made in our lives. If we don't show forth that contentment through a relationship with him, then what happens to our witness? Here's what the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. He said, do all things... (laughs) Talk about contentment here. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that we may rejoice in the day of Christ. Uh, Paul says, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Boy, that... Lack of contentment, that hurts our witness to this world so very much. You know, another area where this is important, it's important to recognize the danger of not doing this. What happens when we're not content, when we don't cultivate that contentment in Christ? Hebrews chapter 12 tells us to watch for this, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble and by this many become defiled that lack of contentment within the household of Christ uh, that's something that contaminates and defiles the body of Christ we need to be careful to be content in Christ and cultivate that for the good of our church family for the good of our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ because together we bear witness of Jesus and it also helps us to reach people with the message you know what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, some of you know this verse, think about this. He says, sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Do this with meekness, and reverence. Well, you know, the world needs to look at us and see that contentment. And so my brothers and sisters in Christ, as you're listening today, I hope that you will put forth the effort to cultivate that constant, conscious communion with Christ. That's what gives us contentment in all circumstances. Now, the whole time long, I've been talking to those who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But I want to close with a final invitation. It might be that you're listening to this, and you're someone who does not have that relationship. You've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord. You've never placed your faith in him. You've heard me talking about Jesus and the difference that he makes in our lives. And yet you realize you don't have that relationship. Cultivating that contentment comes from that relationship. And I'd like to invite you right now, if you've never entered into that relationship, to do so with me right now. It just takes a simple prayer. You pray a prayer just like this, you can even pray it right now with me. Bow your hearts, bow your eye. Don't If you're driving, don't bow your head, but just pray this prayer with me right now. Father in heaven, I'm a sinner. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I don't have this source of contentment in my life. But having heard what was said about him, I desire that relationship now. Right here, right now, I... Re- recognize that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I put my faith in him. I put my trust in what he did for me on the cross. I invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life, to take control of my life and lead me and fulfill my needs and give me that contentment. And if you've prayed that prayer right now, let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, for whoever might have just heard my voice, and just join me in that prayer. Would you lead them to a depth of relationship with Jesus Christ like they've never known before? Help them to give themselves to him, to trust him, to follow him, to obey him, to turn to him in every circumstance of life. Give them contentment, Father, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you've prayed that prayer. You can find me on the internet, Pastor Greg Allen, Bethany Bible Church. Uh, you can you can write to me at pastor at bethanybible.org. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time, I'd love to hear from you and, and just get in touch with you and encourage you in that relationship with Jesus Christ. He's the source of contentment. For contentment in all conditions of life comes through cultivating a constant, Conscious communion with Christ. And thank you for letting me tell you about that today. Thank you to James Blend for inviting me and uh, guiding me through this uh, exciting process. Uh, This week, uh, next uh, guest host, there's going to be a couple of best-of shows. Thursday, Michelle Watson of The Dad Whisperer will be the host. Friday... James Blend and Justin Mansfield and somebody unknown are going to be the guest hosts. Thank you and God bless you. Talk to you soon.
1: Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at gRice Show and like us on Facebook.